Today I'd like to welcome Dr. Karan Sina to Bolora. He's a consultant psychiatrist who's currently working in his private practice in Glenaris. So yeah, it's been it's going to be exciting today. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, he's been uh, nominated for a number of awards. Um, amongst one of them is the Indian Australian Business Community Award. So yeah, a lot of insights, a lot of pearls of wisdom. I'm sure we'll hear from you today. So welcome to Bolora, Karan. Thank you, it's a flattering introduction. <laughs> I don't know about number of awards, but yeah, it was good to be recognised. Some effort I've done and yeah, really looking forward to just helping as many people as we can in this platform. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no worries. Well, like we usually like to start off uh, our conversations by going a bit into the background of our guests and finding out where the mental health journey began. So I think a great place to start would be uh, maybe what you're doing right now in your private practice. Um, and the journey you've kind of taken as um, a student of medicine and then figuring out that, you know, mental health is where you wanted to take your profession. Yeah, definitely. So I'm happy to talk a bit about my journey and then also about how I can use my professional background as a psychiatrist to help people that are suffering from mental illness. Um, A bit about myself. So I um, was born in India, in Delhi, and I was about four years old when I came here, so um, I was 91, so yep. get a bit of an idea, I'm a bit yeah. older. Um, and basically, yeah, I was brought up here, I went to Melbourne High School, quite a typical, I guess, curry school, yeah. and I'm sure you'd relate. Um, and then after that, I went to Melbourne University, so I did my MBBS there and my Master's in Psychiatry. And I trained through Monash University um, in in terms of, um, sorry, I went to Melbourne University, but I did train through my Monash Health. Um, so I completed my psychiatry specialty there. I yeah. started my sub-specialization in psychotherapies. And after that, I have gone on to some develop my own therapy, which I'll talk a bit maybe yeah, later about. Cool. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I do specialize in the area of adolescent mental health as well as young adults. I'm a general psychiatrist, uh, but I do take a particular interest in a lot of the disorders that are affecting younger people, yeah. um, particularly, you know, post-traumatic stress or even personality disorders. Um, so that's, I guess, a bit about my professional background i have been working privately as you mentioned at vital psychiatry clinic at yeah. Iris uh, for the last few years um, okay. for the last three years and yeah really loving that environment and um just being able to help people um so yeah it's i guess a bit a bit about my professional background nice and you mentioned that you you're specializing in youth mental health and kind of people in the early 20s and that's mm-hmm. great because that's kind of our target audience i bottled up and that's where we thought there was kind of a bit of a gap and we wanted to build on that. Was there a story behind like you focusing on that area or was there something deeper there for yourself or was it? Um, I guess personally, I guess that was also a time where I felt I, you know, struggled with a bit of mental health and yeah. it is a difficult time starting up and knowing your own identity, particularly yeah. after 18 years old, you're trying to build up your own sense of self. Um, and, um, I can tell a bit about my personal journey, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that is a particular area where people are just starting to work and trying to transition from university to work. I guess it's a very difficult er- time and I found that particularly challenging for myself. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely thought at that time that mental health and psychiatry was really my calling and I'm lucky in that regard where I... I really, I remember a time when I thought I could not not do this profession because I, I felt so much passion for it. But a lot of it came from, I guess, my background. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you a bit about that because I feel like a lot of young uh, males, particularly from South Asian background, will be, be able to relate. And yeah. even just generally in the community, I think males may be able to relate to. Um, so I guess, I mean, growing up in a Indian background, mm. I guess... Having, I guess, the traditional Indian father, the kind of old school authoritarian, you know, that was, I guess, a very common way of fathers to show their love by kind of tough love, I guess. Um, And that was, I guess, the old school way of thinking at that time. But unfortunately for me, it did develop, I guess, a fear of authority figures. And I did, I guess, fear my father growing up, um, as a lot of males do. And... 
it did, I guess, form, um, as I mentioned, this fear of authority figures. And I guess I realized that particularly when I started working, more so when I started doing my research year. And yeah. that was a year where I really started to realize how important mental health is. Because I did, I felt like, I guess, there was a very high stakes environment. I was working in a lab. Um, yeah. And I was doing my research assignment there. And it was very perfectionistic, very micromanaging supervisors. And I think it was actually a bit of bullying looking back on it. Um, And it did affect me because, you know, that is a form of trauma as well, emotional trauma. And it triggered, I guess, that past history of feeling like, you know, the the authoritarian figure. Um, And I feel like it developed perhaps this perfectionistic side in me. And I feel a lot of... South Asians will be able to relate to the perfectionistic parents where they push their children really hard and yeah, it's for good intentions I guess because yeah. they are trying to push you to do well but I guess the emotion that it's coming from is that you have to do this in order to be loved and to be exp- and to be accepted and at that time that was the paradigm I guess but we know that that's really not helpful because you're always thinking you're not good enough and I guess there was always this feeling in me that I have to be perfect to be good enough and that eventually burns someone out I feel um, a much better paradigm as I've learned um, to even reparent myself to say is to feel that you are loved unconditionally you are accepted and as you have that unconditional love for yourself you can then encourage yourself and be your own cheerleader instead of being a taskmaster that's what I felt later on when I got to my research year I started feeling very critical internalizing that critic of supervisors or bullies or whatever you call them um and that you know I did start getting a bit anxious at that time and you know in hindsight I probably should have um you know addressed it a bit earlier but um Look, um, I have seen a psychologist in the past oh, okay. and, you know, I think it's very helpful in our profession. It is recommended that we do see a therapist to debrief because we do see a lot of difficult patients and and I found it very personally very helpful. But I would really encourage other people that are going through such a time to, you know, seek out therapists if it's required because it, it will teach you some skills and strategies and just to debrief what you're going through um so i find that very helpful at that time so um you know for the for a number of reasons i do feel that there was a calling for psychiatry um and even particularly with spirituality which i can talk a bit about the can of worms yeah Yeah. um that was another i guess i guess a thing that increase my interest in in psychiatry um so yeah if you want me i can of course yeah there's there's obviously a lot there that you've gone through like starting Mm -hmm. right back uh with you know south asian cultures and that uh, authoritative figure so many people with our backgrounds could relate to that like you mentioned melbourne high and i remember when i was like a 15 year old feeling the pressures of like trying to get into one of those schools and Mm -hmm. it wasn't even that it was directly in front of me that I that my parents said something directly it was more that I just felt that there was a condition there that to do that I have to be accepted and it's just it's very subtle but it affects you and I've only realized now that I constantly thought about those things all the time and now it's kind of yeah it's disconnected and I realize that Mm, it's huge I think it's pervasive I think pretty much every South Asian faces that um, that competition and I think it comes from a lot of our parents because growing up in India it is very dog eat dog it is very competitive and to a certain extent they had to be very cutthroat in that situation yeah um, to the toll of their mental health mm. um, and unfortunately they have pushed that onto us that you know you have to be a certain way in yeah. order to be accepted and there's this competition um, unfortunately it just drives in that feeling that you're not good enough until you get a certain Yeah, there's that condition there. Yeah, and then you kind of internalize that as well. Mm. You're like, okay, I'm not, I didn't do this well enough, so I'm not good enough. And you internalize that critic. And you might think that it's maybe motivating you or helping you, but later on you realize it actually burns you out because it's not sustained. And 
there's a lot of research about compassion we can talk about later self-compassion but yeah it's actually much more powerful to motivate by encouraging yourself and loving mm. yourself unconditionally and being a cheerleader rather than being punitive like harsh because that is not most of the research found is not a good motivator at all mm. yeah. I mean what you just described there kind, kind of forms the basis of how a lot of us would have grown up in a harsh environment where we're pushing ourselves mm. and like there's obviously goods of that like I know research says that mm. you know delaying gratification is something that that is quite prominent in South Asian culture in cultures where you're really compelled to work extremely hard in your early years now mm. there's obviously a lot of benefits of that but yeah what you mentioned about compassion I think that needs to be a bit more prominent um, mm. in the sort of backgrounds that we've grown up with and it's hard to mm. not kind of get angry and complain about these things that mm. you have to realise that our parents kind of grew up in this environment and yeah. it's not their fault there's mm. no point blaming anyone it's just about shifting mm. the way we think about these things that's right I think you know as you mentioned that there has to be a balance like of course um, you need you do need to motivate yourself out of love compassion understanding mm. but there also needs to be that courage to yeah, encourage like yes you can do it and that kind of compassionate encouragement of courage like mm. yes come on you can push yourself a bit more um, so there has to be that balance but it can be done compassionately mm. it doesn't have to be done punitively um, and I guess a lot and it's not about judging our parents because they went through their own issues and you know growing up in India there's a lot of difficulties there and that's how probably their parents treated them maybe even harsher so that's the only way they know that's the paradigm they know yeah. so it's hard to parent someone differently if you've never been shown how so I don't think it's about blaming parents it's yeah. about just understanding where is this mindset coming from yeah. How can you recognize it and how can you change it? Um, yeah. And that's where I guess the conversation is moving towards self-compassion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I guess, yeah, it is a common experience, uh, you know, the South Asian culture, expectations, um, and it's something that we need to be careful of because we'll, uh, we start thinking that only if I get this, then I'm lovable, you know, rather yeah. than I'm lovable and if I do good, you know, that's great as well. Yeah. But if I don't, I'm not it's not the end of the world yeah of course and and like this this idea of looking back at these thoughts and the, the upbringing that's kind of looking deep into your childhood right and I feel like that forms the basis of a lot of psychotherapy right is that mm. where it all starts and is that a lot of the work that you do because I know mm. when it comes to the psychotherapy and the work you do you're involved in a lot of different sort of therapies whether it be CBT or mm. some other ones maybe you could go into mm. some of that now yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, you know, childhood mental health is critical. We yeah. know in psychology and psychiatry, first three years of your life is where you form a lot of your personality. Yeah. Um, and even beyond that, you know, first seven years, it's very critical as well. So it is important to have a very safe, loving environment. Mm. And for some of us, that wasn't the case for whatever reason. It may, you know, it may have been physically everything is provided but maybe emotionally it wasn't all provided course, yeah. so um, there is a lot that I've developed even in myself and um, I, I mentioned I developed the therapy I can mm. tell you a bit about course, yeah. how that materialized um, but I guess um, I've always had an interest in spirituality from a young age okay. my parents you know used to take me to the temple like Hare Krishna for example um, and we grew up, I guess, being exposed to scriptures, some of our, you know, beautiful and very philosophical scriptures, such as the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Um, and I had developed this interest, but a lot of it came later when I, you know, had difficulties, you know, for my, for my research here I mentioned, and even starting work, it was yeah. a big shift. Um, and I did look towards spirituality, and it did really help me, because I think meditation really helps a lot. And I learned about the different chakras in the body, okay. um, and and I learned, and I came to this conclusion that there is a link between spirituality and which is Eastern yeah. medicine or psychology and Western psychology, and the link I found was 
Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. So you might have heard of yeah, definitely. There, Maslow was a famous psychologist who spoke about there is a hierarchy of needs where you need, for example, safety and then love and belonging and then courage, self-esteem, and then there was high levels of altruism, helping others. Yeah, self-actualization. Self-actualization. Yeah. So I was able to correlate this with the chakras in the body, which you may or may not know that yeah. is similar. So it goes through fear, and then there's the pleasure chakra, which I interpret as self-love, and then there's the courage chakra, mm. which is a lot about self-esteem, and then you have the heart, altruism, helping others. Higher chakras are more about self-actualization. Okay. So I developed a therapy which I just called self-love or just love therapy because the main emotion behind it is love to heal. And I use um, basically psychological, Western psychological techniques as well as spiritual meditation techniques to address each need. Um, and we'll talk a bit about that later. But some of this really helped my interest, I guess, in psychology and psychiatry because I could marry my passion of spirituality with my passion in psychology um, yeah. and that's I guess a lot of where um, my career went into um, so yeah I guess that was one of the um, prompting factors that's really interesting yeah. Yeah. what you just mentioned reminds me of this book called The Happiness Hypothesis I'm not sure if you've heard of it mm. by Jonathan Haidt and he kind of goes back and he's a psychologist obviously but mm. he went back and looked through all all of the Eastern uh, scriptures, like the Bhagavad Gita and mm. a few of the Buddhist um, scriptures, and he kind mm. of came through an intersection between the two, um, and he kind of said something similar to you that like the early years of your life form your temperament, which is essential for you know living mm. a fulfilling life rather than anything material or anything like that. Mm. It's about your natural state. Mm. Um, yeah, so that just reminded me of that. Mm. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. I think a lot of Western psychology is looking to Eastern spirituality. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the therapies like mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, uh, yeah. I've trained in that, um, as well as now I'm doing a course on mindful self-compassion. It's probably one of the best courses I've, I've done, in fact. Um, it's a lot of it's based on self-compassion from Buddhism and even Hinduism, mm. which a lot of Buddhist is based on. Um, and they're quite open about it that these concepts are directly taken from metta which is self-love for example yeah. um, in Buddhism so a lot of I think Western medicine psychology is catching up that love cures everything really and mm -hmm. we've known that for thousands of years in, in Hinduism um, and Buddhism but now only now we're learning that loving yourself it helps everything you know I've done a master's thesis on kindness based therapies and I was able to do a systematic review of randomized control trials which is the gold standard of research yep. and I was able to find kindness based therapies self-compassion therapies are significantly effective in all mental illnesses so trauma substance use depression anxiety even psychosis so um, love really does cure everything and mm. Mm. wow that's interesting because it, it's such a broad field of things and like this idea of mental well-being is clearly broad mm. like we were just talking about one therapy and you've mm. kind of talked about your own therapy that you developed and there's so many different ideas here whether mm. you look at this intersection between east and west or you look at some of the more modern practices um, such as cognitive behavioral therapy and then there's a whole mm. other world of you know psychodynamic therapy there's so many different mm. things but I guess for our audience like where's a good starting point to get an understanding mm. of the things that they can do or mm -hmm. even just to kind of visualize like mm. where can I start yeah. to think about my well-being well, yeah. well I think the first thing to fix a problem is to know what is the problem of course having that awareness yeah. of your emotions. awareness yeah. yeah so we'll get into therapy but I think it's good to first recognize what is the problem. Of course. And why is mental illness so like rampant in our society yeah. at the moment? And particularly yeah. with COVID this year, I think most people that don't have any mental illness are having some kind of mental illness. Most people I've talked to have, pretty much everyone has faced some sort of anxiety or some low days during lockdown. Um, so it is so very important we've recognized yeah. this year. Um, but. I think there's a number of factors to be aware of in our modern society. 
to to understand why is mental illness growing and yeah. um, one is just the lack of love in our community yeah there is we are building a community that is very individualistic yeah even the family unit a lot of it's broken we had extended families before now it's a nuclear family and now to be honest a lot of people are not even having families mm. their divorce rates are you know going through the roof you know in yeah. america it's almost one in two here it's rising too and not many people are even getting married um so we are developing a more i guess selfish society it's yeah. more about what me generation i generation mm. um it's all about i i i pot everything um so when we don't think about others we lose that love of others and we lose the love of ourselves and you know divorce is a huge factor for you know mental illness for young people yeah. um also you know postnatal depression a lot of mothers are not able to provide that care for their younger children a yeah. lot of you know postnatal bruise up to 80% of females will have some kind of postnatal blues so um there is a a big um lack of the value of love in our society and that's causing a lot of trauma. <coughs> so you know you actually sexual abuse is incredibly common in the western and 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 eastern world so most of the current statistics even in Australia one third of females will have some kind of sexual abuse childhood sexual abuse which is quite incredible um yeah. and this is consistent throughout the world one in 3 female even males is quite high one in 5 will have some kind of sexual abuse so there is a lot of abuse is hypersexualization and people are being exploited often it's even within the family yeah. there's a lot of domestic violence as well um and just a lot of even fathers even sometimes mothers not being emotionally present for their children So there is high levels of trauma I think more emotionally that we are facing in that community generally and this is compounded with technology so social media is obviously a huge factor that's been played out in the currently in the community yeah. um people are constantly comparing themselves with others there is a lot of more cyberbullying now like people ganging up and we're getting quite disconnected with our real selves is this projection of what you are as your ideal self on social media mm. and then there's your real self and you're often projecting what you're not so you're not dealing with your real self essentially and what social media is also doing is it's lowering our threshold to go out and socialize of course yeah. um there is the dopamine hypothesis which everything we do gives us a dopamine hit of pleasure so when you can easily get that pleasure on, on social media you see like it's almost like a gambling machine you kind of go on there looking for a pop up who's commented how many likes you have mm-hmm. and when you're getting that dopamine hit from there um you're not looking for other things to get a dopamine hit for example exercise or discipline or doing your study or work and this is played out not just social media but even technology i mean pornography is a huge area mm. even for young males it's very very common and we're only seeing the effects like males and don't have to go out to get a relationship or even socialize or even do their work or exercise they're just getting a dopamine yeah, hit just doing that so yeah. basically your receptors are getting desensitized to that level of dopamine and then um you're basically not doing the good things that are best in your long term and kind of being addicted to online things essentially you're like being addicted to cocaine for example yeah it's the um, same brain function it's the right? same uh, addictive mindset so it's yeah. very important to detox off so a lot of some some of social media i know this is some of this will be on social media but this is i guess good content this is the positives i guess of social media but to limit that that's very important and yeah. to yeah i guess um be aware of what's affecting you um just the last point i was going to make i know this there's a lot of factors obviously yeah. but we've talked about how you know it is a difficult more emotionally in society but there is this concept called sensitivity to harm okay. in in society and even psychology uh psychiatry which basically is showing scientific evidence that we are becoming more sensitive as a population and the theory is that the more you put your locus of control outside of yourself and think that others can affect you 
Um, I mean, these days, even being politically incorrect can be very sensitizing for people. There's so many, you know, things you can't say these days, you know, even people's genders you can't assume. Um, and people get traumatized. So the more you put your locus of control outside of yourself, the less directly proportional, the less power and esteem you give yourself to overcome your own problems. So you're giving your power outside yourself, you're not giving the power inside yourself. So there's a huge push about resilience now in the community as well, like to be able to have your own coping strategies to cope rather than thinking everything else is going to affect me. Think that, you know, I can cope with these things. Whatever other people say, I don't have to say it to myself. Mm. So um, I do think courage is very important as well as underlying compassion and, and love. And uh, I guess that's played out a lot in the pandemic, you know, like even yeah. though, you know, this pandemic, it, you know, not denying, it's very, very serious and still quite prevalent. But end of the day, I mean, all the research and data was for younger people and even middle-aged, it's, it's very, very extremely low chance of dying from it or getting very sick. But yet people were extremely paranoid and affected very mentally. Not to say, you know, obviously you need to social distance, wear a mask, very, very important for society. But there was this constant paranoia of thinking I'm going to die of this illness, which clearly was not true. So there was this feeling of, you know, outside controls yeah. me. So, um, I mean, the pandemic was difficult in a lot of areas. We weren't getting the social supports that usually we get. There was this threat. Um, and yeah, I guess there was this paranoia and... Yeah, I just think that love is a lot more contagious than the coronavirus. And if we spread that, I think that will really heal a lot of the world's problems. Yeah, well, there's a lot there again. And all these these problems that you've highlighted, like the statistics about the violence, the social media, everything that you think is a potential cause for this this increase in, in, in mental illness, it's kind of exacerbated by this virus which kind of scares me like social media pornography all these things we're more inclined to see them or at least we were in the last few months during lockdown to be exposed to that dopamine hit on instagram and on social media mm. like people are telling us to go outside i remember watching the social dilemma mm. a documentary that kind of underpinned right. all these issues right great, but then i was like well i need to be in social media because i need to be connected with my friends because mm. otherwise i can't see them i'm stuck in my 5k radius so i was kind of in this mm. paradox or not paradox but like contradiction Mm. um so it became very difficult so yeah it's Mm. it is um i guess it's a balance that's what we need to learn and having some time limits on social media for example or just picking up the phone and actually calling someone or video chatting them if you can't meet them in person um or zoom hangout for example um there are ways around it but um you know putting time limits on how much you're putting on social media um even youtube and try and expose yourself to positive content, perhaps like podcasts, for example, this one, like informative podcasts, rather than just mindless entertainment. Um, so there are ways around it, but yeah, look, the the pandemic has, has hit a lot of people yeah. because essentially people can't really sit with their own thoughts. Yeah, like exactly. sitting at home with their own thoughts is very confronting because mm. most people are very critical on themselves. And, you know, we are seeing even a pandemic of some of people like self-harming, young young kind of teenagers, particularly girls, and very critical on themselves. So that's another big area, like, you know, how you talk to yourself and learning coping strategies exactly. is very important. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's why when you mentioned that you think the key to all this is resilience, I would 100% mm. agree. I love that idea mm. because, like, life is obviously full of ups and downs and this year is just mm. absolutely chaotic. And mm. it's just a reminder that, you're obviously going to face both things and the key is probably not to always mm. try to be happy but rather figure out when things go wrong or left of field mm. how can I be more resilient and what are the strategies mm. that work for me and what's even scientifically proven a big thing for me has been yeah. figuring out what the data shows and what you know can mm. directly affect my brain I know one of the things mm-hmm. that you mentioned you were big on was journaling yeah yeah that's so right. like what are the strategies that yeah. you would yeah, let's talk about it. and having known some of the problems mm. it's important to know the strategy of like course. what you can do to, to treat it um, and you mentioned a couple of them 
Um, but, you know, self-help is so important. Obviously, we'll talk maybe later if, if you have a serious mental illness, obviously you should get professional help. Yeah. Um, but this is more I'm talking about your mild to moderate kind of mental of well-being, course, even yeah. stress, for example. Yeah. Everyone should really have a mental hygiene in this day and age, given yeah. everything that's going on. Um, and as we talk going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs like at the bottom first and foremost you really need your physical needs met so it's so important to have a good routine you know having adequate amounts of sleep you know so many people are not even getting enough sleep there's nothing that really compensates for a good night's sleep so you should have you know some kind of routine even just writing on your journal or even on your on even on your phone just planning out okay putting on events on your calendar app, just like, this is when I want to go to sleep, Mm. this is when I want to wake up, this is when I want to exercise. Um, So when you plan something, you're much more likely to do it. So I would encourage everyone to just have a a time of the day, maybe towards the end of the day, where you plan out your next day um, and write it down so you have a good routine because sleep is so very important, making sure you're getting to sleep on time. And then exercise, again, a lot of research shows exercise is Mm. just as good as an antidepressant tablet. So we should all be getting at least half an hour of exercise. If you can't get that, at least 10 minutes, just go out for a 10 minute walk. So a lot of research shows even 10 minutes is good for mental health. Um, And there's a lot of, if you can't get out, the weather's not good. There's a lot of apps on your phone. There's like seven, um, seven minute workout apps, like high intensity apps. You can do yoga. You can even just walk around the table if, you know, if all else fails. Um, But just getting moving is so very important. So exercise is very important. Um, And then we have meditation. You know, this is the day and age of mindfulness. Everyone's doing it. It's, you know, being introduced in primary schools even um, early on. And even in the workplace, a lot of workplaces are encouraging mindfulness. Because the research shows mindfulness helps a lot of areas including not just your marks at school but also productivity at work but also just a well-being so um i think everyone should have some kind of exposure to meditation and it can be hard you know but even just spending a few minutes a day just focusing on your breath or focusing on your body relaxation so um you know there's plenty of apps on your phone you know some free ones are like smiling mind uh, for example, there's Calm as well. The best probably meditation app is Insight Timer. It has the most number of meditations on there. But a good starting is Smiling Mind, for example. So having a regular routine is very important of meditation, even putting that on your journal. Um, and then you mentioned journaling. So when, um, when things are very stressful, particularly if you're having a bad day, particularly... Um, or, you know, just generally, it's actually a good idea, just everyone, just to journal into the day how the day went. Because of, often there's small triggers that you may forget and they'll keep coming up every day if you don't write it down. So it's very good to just spend, you know, five, ten minutes just writing down your thoughts into the day. Yeah. And a really good, easy way to do it is just, just do one so a paragraph on what happened, just generally, like, you know, this person told me off, for example. Um, and the theory of journaling is that every situation you can see it from two points of view you know if a friend walks past you didn't say hi you could think they hate you and feel depressed about it or you could think oh maybe they didn't see me and you'll be neutral then so you write down what happened how you felt maybe what tension you had in your body or what you did about that so more physical obvious things and then underneath that you'd write a paragraph on what your thoughts were. So what are some unhelpful thought patterns you had at the time? So it could be, as you said, like, that person hates me. <coughs> um, so it could be, like, catastrophic thoughts. So, like, oh, my God, I've lost a friend, or the world's going to end, or I'm going to die. They could be subconscious thoughts. So yeah. they're catastrophic thoughts, or they could be critical thoughts. So they could be, like, I'm a bad person, I suck, you know, I didn't do this right. And again, that perfectionism could be coming through. So write down what unhelpful thoughts were there. And then in the end, make sure you write a paragraph or your thoughts on how would you talk to yourself as a friend? And this is so very important to change your inner critical voice to your compassionate voice, what we talked earlier. Mm. So you would say things like, it's okay, well, you know, like, you know, 
I'll, you know, maybe that person had a bad day and he was just taking it out on me. I didn't say anything bad specifically. And maybe he just、um, ignored me because he was having a bad day. So I don't need to think too much about it. So, something that's reasonable, how you talk to yourself as a friend that you loved or cared for. And then in the end, write some gratitude thoughts. So, like as a cheerleader, what would you say to your friends? Like, it's okay, I'm doing well, you know? Like, I still don't, it doesn't matter. Maybe I slept in today, but I still did some things well. And I can be compassionate on myself. I'm still doing well. I have good friends. I have a good family. You know, whatever you're grateful for just during the day. So, gratitude is very, very important as、yeah. well. So, this is part of cognitive behavioral therapy. So, there's a lot of research that shows journaling is very, very helpful. It changes your natural thinking pattern to positive. So, I would definitely recommend it, like, even just once a week, end of the week,、um, or definitely when you're having a bad day, but ideally if you can do it every day. So, you know, don't overload yourself. Just pick one habit, focus on that, like exercise, slowly introduce、yeah. one thing every. Week.、Um, and just the last point on the journaling is affirmations. So at the end of the journal, I said there's gratitude, but、um, if you're having a really bad day at the end of your meditation, you can write some affirmations or say them to yourself.、Yeah. So, what are affirmations?、Um, essentially, they are your who's saying the affirmation. When you say that, I'm safe, I'm loved. For example,、um, or if you say you are safe, you are loved, who is saying the affirmation that's important? It is really a compassionate self, or it's a compassionate figure. So you have to picture maybe you're, when you're very compassionate or your parental figure, it could be your older, wiser figure, it could be yourself older, it could be a divine, godly figure. Or、uh, it could be yourself when you're compassionate. So it's your compassionate, divine kind of self, or someone that you respect that is saying it to your vulnerable self.、Okay. So, like when you're anxious or vulnerable. So you, so, you would say things that involve your core needs. So, you might be anxious. So, it's okay, I'm safe. I'm going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. You can say that like a number of times in your meditation, for example, or picture you being safe in a beach, for example. Um, and then you could picture love. You might feel unloved or abandoned. So, that a very powerful would be saying, I love you just to yourself. I love and accept you unconditionally. For a lot of people, that's revolutionary. They haven't heard those words. It might be a bit confronting.、Um, and just saying, I care for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for myself. Just. Just reporting, repeating those self loving phrases. It's okay. Everything's going to be alright. I love you. You're cared for. You're going to be okay. And when you feel that love and, and safe, you can then encourage yourself. You could say, I believe in you. You're, I'm courageous.、Mm. I'm disciplined. I can do it. I'm, I'm courageous. I'm disciplined. I can do it. I believe in you. So just repeating that. Um, at the end of your meditation and visualizing what you want to do during the day. Just spending like you know, a minute or two just doing this affirmation, particularly when you're feeling down, that is an incredible way of strengthening your self compassionate voice. And this is all researched again. Mindful Self Compassion、mm. course ta talks a lot about this. So,、um, there's some incredible techniques that I've talked about,、mm. and they are from years of Research because、yeah. I've,、uh, I've pretty much、uh, read about all most of the psychotherapies out there、yeah. um, through my specialization in psychotherapy. So,、mm. this is a combination of a lot of self help strategies.、Um, and obviously, pending that,、um, if there's still issues, you know, there's other ways of helping. Of course. I mean, a lot of、that. the things that you've said remind me of Daniel Goleman, I'm sure you would have heard of him,、mm. and a lot of the research he's done. and You can almost like categorize this into like a few different key ideas. One of them, obviously, being gratitude、mm. and that part of journaling where you have to focus on the positives、mm. and try to find them out. Because obviously,、mm. with the brain and how it works, we kind of tend、mm. to focus on the negatives. And yeah. yeah, there's a classic saying where like there's five good things that need to overcome, like one、mm. bad thing, right? Because the、That's、bad、right. is always emphasized.、Mm. Um, the other thing I thought was mindfulness is obviously a big category in itself,、mm. whether it be like actually sitting down or. 
uh, even if you go for a walk, that in itself is mindfulness. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I was thinking about was empathy, and I guess we've kind of mm-hmm. touched on it uh, indirectly, but mm-hmm. if we were to talk about it directly, what, what are your thoughts on empathy and where this fits in the picture of things? Yeah, so um, we talked about, I guess, the general um, core needs up mm. to kind of courage, but above that is your heart chakra or how you empathize with others and how you forgive others more importantly and that's very important because often um we blame others for the trauma that we've had we blame our our parents and by blaming and having resentment towards Mm. people have done wrong to us we're actually holding on to that trauma you know Mm. um Buddha once said that if you hold on to a hot coal trying to throw it on someone else, you'll burn yourself first. Um, and the more you're resentful, the more you're reminding yourself of that trauma, you're actually just traumatizing yourself. Mm. So the best way um, to let go of that is actually forgiveness. And yeah. forgiveness is not about condoning what's happened. It, you know, whatever happened was wrong and you need to stand up. But it's about letting go of that resentment so you're not traumatizing yourself. And a key part of that is empathy. Mm. To empathize, like, maybe our parents didn't know better. Maybe that they went through the same thing. Mm. Probably they did. And maybe they were just trying their best way, you know, because everyone is trying the best they can to cope. And, you know, if um, someone was just loved and happy, they wouldn't be doing a lot of um, unproductive things. So it's about just having compassion and trying to sit in someone else's shoes. Okay, maybe they were going through a difficult time. I, I can... I understand that and I forgive it. It's wrong. I will stand up against it and, you know, whatever, take whatever precautions are necessary. But I will let go of it by empathy and forgiveness. And often this might actually need a therapist because a lot of trauma, even childhood, Mm. it's very hard for you to deal with it on yourself. And you need Mm. to have a therapist to help you find that empathy and forgiveness, which is a long journey. And um, we can talk a bit about, like, you know, what professionals can provide. But... Um, it's so important to have that compassion and empathy for others because the more you're compassionate and empathetic to others, that's how compassionate and empathetic you are to yourself. How you talk to others is how you talk to yourself, essentially. Mm. So um, it's very important, yeah, just to be loving and caring and selfless, not just thinking about yourself. When it's all about you, you, me, 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 um, then you become hypersensitized to small things. When you expand your ego... You think about other people and you're less sensitive on yourself so yeah. and that's very good for mental health as well so even just small acts of kindness checking up on a friend yeah. sending a text hey i really appreciate your friendship um they're all really important things that we can do to just empathize how we're all going yeah definitely and a lot of different like well-being uh, theories and research have actually suggested that kindness is essential and it's not just being kind to your parents or your friends but being kind to people you meet on a daily basis whether it be like a stranger and smiling and complimenting them or just you know being polite when you don't really have to be um that makes a difference and yeah that's exactly what you've just said random Um, random yeah random kindness giving a pass on the road to someone not having road rage or just controlling your anger if someone has annoyed you but yeah just kindness to others as well as yourself yeah. yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned to almost unlock a lot of this stuff. We have to reach back into our, you know, mm. previous experiences, and in, yeah. in order to efficiently or to, mm-hmm. to like fully do that, we need to mm-hmm. perhaps uh, see a therapist. Yeah, um, it would be great to you know talk about that that mm. idea because I know it's a really complex interplay of mm. like, do we really need to see a therapist at this point, and for what reason, and mm. are we going through something that's mild or severe? Mm. Um, let's let, let's mm. chat about that now. I think it would be a great. Yeah, way. look, I think therapist therapy is incredible, and you know, ideally, like everyone's got some issues, and ideally, everyone should be seeing a therapist. But obviously, the resources aren't available for that. Um, but particularly when you feel like you're doing your self help, and um, that is not enough. Particularly if there's some early childhood trauma that has impacted you, um, you really would benefit and would probably need a therapist to go through it with you because it's very hard for you to deal with all that yourself you need someone Mm. to talk to talk about all your you know childhood issues or even even past that um and the way i mean a lot of therapy is essentially 
desensitizing you to your fears of the past essentially that's what it is in a nutshell the way therapy works it's not about re-traumatizing you um so usually they will teach you some coping strategies like what i've taught you they can go through it with you which is very helpful even there was very there's other specific things about cognitive therapy behavior therapy someone to keep you accountable is very helpful yeah um but beyond that um it's about talking about all the difficult experiences we've had and um essentially therapy is like exposing yourself to that fear of the past that we've locked up um and it's like in the attic somewhere but it's affecting your subconsciously but we want to open that up so it's out in the open and it can be a bit like opening a can of worms so you have to be careful to very just slowly open up about it but the important thing is to open up about it and to let all that junk out that's in the subconscious and you need to often see a therapist or even someone you trust to talk about that in a compassionate way in a safe place and what you essentially do is you desensitize yourself to the past so the more you talk about the past the research shows that your emotional response to that reduces and then you can easily let Mm. let it go um so that's one of the main ways there are different obviously different types of therapy trauma-based cbt emdi is um eye movement desensitization so when you talk about therapy there's different eye movements you can do to encode parts of the memory in different parts of the brain um schema therapy is a really good one as well looking at your core beliefs yeah there's various types but essentially it's about talk, talking about some of your trauma releasing that learning strategies to overcome um obviously when you're getting into more moderate to severe depression or anxiety like you know symptoms might be you're not getting out of bed for example you're getting suicidal thoughts particularly um there are other biological symptoms that you're losing weight or gaining a lot of weight um you might be affecting your sleep um you could have you know thoughts of worthlessness hopelessness um guilt shame um but yeah particularly when you're getting those more severe biological symptoms that's a good indicator you should get help particularly therapy that has a lot of evidence if and if it's still not there and if it's more severe there's medications obviously yeah. as well and if you feel like something's more complex you might need to see a psychiatrist such as myself to give a proper assessment um there might be a lot of childhood trauma there might be personality disorders which mm. is often complex like self-harming borderline personality as i said is the epidemic of that yeah not feeling like you know other you know feeling abandoned for example um critical on yourself so those kind of things need more complex assessment from a psychiatrist maybe bipolar disorder for example you know you're not sleeping for days being manic a lot of plans uh, that's you know you might need to see a psychiatrist there's obviously other conditions like adhd that's a whole another bag of fish in autism spectrum um but if it is a bit more complex and you want a proper assessment um psychiatrists can do that and they can also prescribe medications psychologists cannot prescribe medications because they're not medically trained psychiatrists are but some psychiatrists also do psychotherapy such as myself um so you shouldn't be ashamed or there shouldn't be stigma of taking medications because they do really work they don't have a lot of side effects um and it's essentially like just taking a good herb you know st mm. john's of war is a works very similarly that herb to antidepressants and i don't see why people can drink alcohol and do a lot of other things but they feel bad about taking medication because mm. medication does help you know increase serotonin in the brain which you know exactly. is low in depression anxiety they can help a lot with anxiety disorders as well obviously it shouldn't be just rely on that but complement that with other things like therapy but you shouldn't feel ashamed about mental health i know there's a lot of stigma it's not a weakness it's a sign of strength to get help we all have issues we all in the same boat everyone has some sort of anxiety in their lifetime one survey showed in australia the official statistic 45% of the population will have a diagnosable mental illness in their lifetime doesn't mean they'll get treated but that's almost we're talking half of the population could be potentially diagnosed so it's very common and we shouldn't stigmatize it we should keep it out in the open and get treatment for it and um that's very important so do seek the help obviously if you know if you're acutely you know uh, um, suicidal for example or you can't get any help there are things like lifeline beyond blue is another one you could talk 
There is a men's helpline that might be more specific. Um, there are a lot of things, initiatives like this online you can look at. Um, I know there's a thing initiative called Hey Mate on Instagram where a bunch of young males in Melbourne actually um, will just go into Zoom breakout rooms and just debrief, which is a, I heard it's really good as well. Um, so there are a lot of platforms, but you do get the need that help that you need. Obviously, if you're acute at risk, go to the emergency department or ring the psychiatry triage service. They can send out, um, you know, psychiatry nurses to you. But um, yeah, if you do need help, feel free to reach out, or you know, if you need to see a psychiatrist, feel free to get referred to me as well. I'm taking on referrals. Um, so there's plenty of ways of getting help, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, there's there's a lot there. Uh, just a few thoughts I had in my head while you were speaking mm. we, when it comes to medications I remember um, that book I mentioned to you The Happiness Hypothesis the author mm. was actually talking about how we have predispositions um, mm. to feeling sad or feeling anxious like we're born with this stuff mm. and medications is kind of the way that you can make it a level playing field mm. so why wouldn't you take it right mm. because that's how you get for it to be the exact same Like, it, I think yeah. it's pretty clear that depression is Genet- has a genetic component to it, doesn't it? Yeah, look, you know, modern mental health is very highly genetic, yeah. up to half of it. And, you know, particularly when you're getting into very more moderate, severe depression, you're getting very negative thinking, um, you can't even outthink yourself to get out of it. If you try mm. self-help, you won't be able to motivate yourself to exercise or even do therapy. Mm. So you may need some medication to get you to a, like a normal kind of brain cognitive function and then you can think about doing more positive things so it's both you need both yeah you can't rely on all, but you shouldn't feel scared of taking it they're pretty harmless they can have some side effect you may not need it in the long term you may need it in the short term but i guess the first step is acknowledging it this is the problem i need help yeah because often the problem is even being critical of being critical you know mm. first thing is to accept it it's like yes i have anxiety Yes, I have depression. The first thing is to accept that. Accept this is, I have it. It is common. A lot mm. of other people are having it as well. I'm not some weird person out there. Um, maybe people don't talk about it, but a lot of people do suffer from it. And to first thing is yeah to accept it's okay. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to be depressed at times. We all feel like that at some point, and it's okay to get help as well. And it's not. There's no need to be ashamed about it. It's about just getting what you need to help. It's actually much weaker to not face that. It's very courageous to accept a mental that you have mental health and to get help for it. Mm. So it's very important. Yeah, that was beautiful. It was very yeah. nicely said. Well, like we're almost done now. I had one kind of question to finish things off, and it's a bit of a difficult one. Mm. But I feel like a, lo- a big theme today has been looking back at your past and your childhood and looking at those traumas and trying to not mm. build up resentment, but rather to mm. fill that with compassion and love. Mm. Uh, something like that I've personally like struggled with or still trying to figure out is mm. how do you know if that is building up into something that's disturbing your life now like or is it something that will pass and if there's a need to urgently mm. look at that now is there something that when did you realize that you know mm. that this stuff was something you went through when you were young yeah I think uh, like particularly if things are you know get triggering you if you're getting very sensitive about things yeah and it particularly if you're having some of those signs of mental health that are said like if it's affecting your sleep if it's affecting your daily function yeah. if you're getting on edge your muscles are tense um you know it's always good to address some of these things and some of them you could do through journaling but if you ever are questioning should i see a therapist or not you probably should err on the side of caution and just go get referred you know um, at the moment, you can even get 20 sessions in a year mm. due to COVID that are Medicare rebatable. So um, it's I. The only thing in the past, I, I you know, if I could go back, I would you know even get help earlier, or I would even um, raise the awareness and do the things I needed to do earlier. Recognize that this is a problem. Take time out to address it. Um, yeah. So you know, if you're ever thinking about it, it's always good to just get help. You know. Um, and it might be starting just talking to a friend about it, it might be journaling and it might be just going to see a therapist. But, mm. um, you know, I think, you know, self-compassion is so important. It's about, you know, just being compassionate yourself, doing the things you need to do, whether it's journaling, meditation, starting off with that. And if maybe start off with that first. And then if that's not enough and you're still getting triggered, you should, you know, even see a therapist if you need to. Um, 
and not shy away from that I guess and yeah just know that this is a problem and it's important to get help and don't feel ashamed about it mm. that's I guess the key that's message that's great advice yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nicely it's very mm. simple I guess if we put it that way so, yeah. And, yeah and be compassionate in yourself if you do have to get the help yeah because uh, that's very important too yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for mm-hmm. all your insights and experiences. And there's obviously a wealth of knowledge there that you've shared with us. I've definitely learned like stuff today and built on yeah. some of the things that I already learned from other guests. And I guess shout out to Rishi, yeah. um, Rishi K, who was on the podcast earlier, and we mm-hmm. met and got in touch through good. him. Yeah, that uh, was so that was great. Like it's amazing that we're able to meet guests through other guests and mm. build that network and i'm sure you'll know some interesting people as well yeah. that we can hopefully bring on the podcast Definitely. um the work you're doing right now obviously is is amazing mm. um where can people learn more about like what you're doing because you're obviously doing a lot of stuff mm. in advocacy right and leading yeah. this sort of field yeah definitely um you know i'm trying to get the word out there obviously you know still mental illness is not as well recognized but i do do pod you know some kind of podcasts and i do webinars on my social media so um you know i do have a facebook page um drk sinha drk sinha so you can put the links there and also have an instagram as well dr current sinha um, I'll also be starting a YouTube channel, um, which we'll hopefully put the video of this interview up on. Yeah. But um, I'm trying to get the word out there, so definitely feel free to follow me if you are on some of those channels. And I'll be talking a lot about other types of mental health and how we can deal with some of the more specific things. But um, thanks for giving me this kind of platform to, you know, really just help as many people as we can and just using the power of love to really heal the, the suffering that is really incredible in, in the earth that's really suffering at the moment and mm. um, and I think the more that we can spread this message the better it is for the, um, the troubled earth at the moment particularly. Yeah. yeah thanks so much for letting me into your house today and yeah. spending spending this afternoon doing this well yeah it's been a pleasure thanks again yeah um, and yeah this is us signing out thank you thank you have it that was dr Curran sinner hopefully you guys enjoy that episode because Curran is a really wise man he's got a lot of insights in the mental health space and he's making his contribution through his research and through running his private practice so yeah uh, it's great to have him on the podcast next week we have got signing behind the mic and we've got a few new things happening we are going to be starting hopefully what is a bit of a youtube channel with a few videos um with a few snippets of podcasts here and there and yeah just trying to really get more content out in different ways for you guys so yeah that's a quick update on that end but yeah apart from that nothing else um yeah hopefully you enjoy this podcast stay safe stay well and yeah we'll see you next week